partner with you to advance your kingdom here on the earth. In the name of Jesus, amen. Good morning, Lake Church. Hallelujah. God is good. I tell you what, the Lord has already proven his presence in this place this morning. I tell you what, awesome. If you haven't picked up on the theme of the day, it's the faithfulness of God. Amen. He's been speaking since the worship through Pastor Karen's exhortation, Pastor's word, and even Sam's offering message. And we're going to continue right along that line. We're starting a new series today called Master Class. Really an examination of Jesus in the Old Testament. And I didn't think about faithfulness before as I was kind of going through the scriptures and everything. But as we were in the worship, the Lord spoke to me. He said, this message is about my faithfulness from generation to generation to generation. So it's going to be a series of messages about Jesus in the Old Testament. So they're not really, I mean, they are one theme, but they're going to be separate messages looking at different aspects of Jesus uh, in the Old Testament. How many of you know that all the scriptures are about him? All the scriptures are about him. In fact, in John chapter 5, I believe it's verse 39. He said, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have life. But they are those which testify of me. And he was speaking to the religious people of the day. He said, but you won't come to me that you may have life. Life is in a person. And for the believer, that person who is life is on the inside of you. Amen. (laughs) And it's because of God's faithfulness. It's not because of your faithfulness. I can't stand up here and boast of my faithfulness. But I can sure stand up here and boast about his. Amen. Because he was good to me before I ever even thought about being faithful to him. (laughs) Amen. So I want to share with you a story. I'm going to just kind of take my time, kind of ease into this. Let me see here. Am I not connected? Well, it was working earlier. Hmm. Let me do this. Turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Technology, huh? Just give me my Bible. <laughs> Imagine that. Let's just do this. Oh, there we go. Listen when I got the word out. (laughs) Better line up. (laughs) Although I don't have it on here. So anyways, I don't know what's going on with this thing. That may be them doing it back there. All right. So Luke chapter 24. Jesus has gone to the cross and been raised from the dead. He's traveling along the road, and he comes upon two of his disciples. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. It says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, 
which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things uh, which had happened. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? (laughs) And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? Isn't Jesus awesome the way he tries to show us where we're at? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? Here's what I want you to see. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Oh, man. So Jesus goes back to Moses. He didn't go back to Moses' life. Moses isn't the subject of the scriptures. He went back to what Moses had written. And he began to take the scriptures and unfold and reveal all of the things written therein concerning himself. I love the way Jesus taught the Old Testament. He just took all of the things there that we just read as stories and things that happened to people... And he, show, he, he pulls back the veil, pulls back the curtain and shows how it was him all along. It was him from the beginning. It's him to the end. It's really not about us, guys. It's all about him. And he shows us how that all through God's faithfulness. Oh, my goodness. From the beginning of time to the end of time. God's faithfulness is unchanging. And no matter what the enemy tries to throw as a roadblock in the way, God has already made a provision to get by and to get over and to overcome whatever it is that the devil throws in his way. You guys have that in the Passion Translation? That one verse? Here it is. I love the way this says this in the Passion. It says, Then he carefully unveiled to them, The revelation of himself throughout the scripture. He started from the beginning and explained the writings of Moses and all the prophets. Showing how they wrote of him and revealed the truth about himself. Man, that's what we need to do. We need to get in the scriptures. We need to find Jesus. God's word is a revelation of himself. 
Because when we know him rightly, we're able to relate to him rightly. And he has revealed himself fully in the written word, but the fullness of that revelation is in the living word. That's how Jesus could say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And there are all kinds of people. I love that God didn't uh, hold back all of the mistaken things that people believed about himself through the scriptures. He showed us Job's wrong impressions of God. So I don't go back to Job to find out what God is like. He only had a partial revelation of who God was. But I go to Jesus. He's the full message. He's the full revelation. He's the unveiled, perfect expression of the nature of God. Anything I believe about God that I don't see in the life of Jesus is a misconception on my part. Hallelujah. So I want to go back to Genesis chapter 3. And uh, man, you know, this said that it was a seven mile journey that they took and Jesus was going through the scriptures. Even in that much time, there's no way he was able to show them everything. He just touched on the highlights. So don't worry. We're going to just touch on a few highlights today. A few things that I think are very important for us to understand, to see God's faithfulness. Generation after generation. You know, in Genesis chapter 3, this is, the, uh, this is the place where Adam and Eve had been approached by the serpent. Eve was deceived. Adam disobeyed God. Men want to blame the women, but ultimately God puts the blame on us, guys. Adam disobeyed God. And it was when he disobeyed God, he sided with the devil. Oh, man. Adam and and Satan uh, performed a coup against God and against his kingdom. Actually, the serpent got Adam to side with him to try and overthrow God. Can you imagine? (laughs) So God shows up on the scene and he begins to talk. And this is what he says in verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman... Between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. God right here, this verse right here is known as the Proto-Evangelum. It's the first gospel. Right as soon as man fell, God began to prophesy. Come on, hear me. God began to prophesy salvation. He began to prophesy the redemption of mankind. Adam had just had just sided with the devil in rebellion against God. He tried to perform a coup and overthrow God from his throne. And God shows up on the scene and he didn't strike him down with a lightning bolt. He didn't burn him up. No, what did God do? He began to proclaim the answer. He began to proclaim and to prophesy what he had decided before the foundation of the world. How that he would send his son and how that his son would bruise the head of the enemy. Meaning that he would crush his authority. And what the serpent had accomplished through getting Adam to side with him. God had already provided a way for man to be reconciled back to his true father. Find his true purpose and his true place in the kingdom of God. He reveals a few things here. He says, first of all, there's going to be a battle. How many of you know we're in a war? 
If you don't, wake up. A little slow. He says right here from the beginning, I'm going to put enmity. That means opposition. There's been opposition to the plan of God all along. Let me tell you, that opposition didn't stop God's faithfulness. (laughs) It may look like at times that the enemy's got the upper hand. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. I don't care how dark it gets out there. Don't worry. God's got it all under control. And if you'll trust in Him, depend on Him, and rely upon Him, He's going to bring you through. I tell you, somebody needs to hear that this morning. He's going to bring you through. I don't care what it looks like, how bad it seems. God's going to bring you through. Stay close to His heart. Hear what He's saying. Be quick to follow after what He declares. Don't don't judge based on the circumstances. He's been faithful generation to generation to generation. Why would he fail now? That's what the song said earlier. Why would he fail now? He won't. He won't. (laughs) He won't. He said there's going to be a battle. And listen, a battle began. In fact, it wasn't long. Cain slew his brother Abel. Just like Pastor Karen was talking about. The heart of God. God made man in his image and his likeness. We were created to, to express the nature and the character of God in the earth. In fact, stick with me on this. This is an amazing thought. When God wanted to expand the revelation of himself, he just created another realm. You did, that went over your heads, I think. When God wanted to make known in a larger way The superiority of his nature and his character and his glory and his power. He just went and created another realm. And then you know what he did? He created man. You were custom designed to be an expression of the nature and the character of God. You were custom designed. And listen, that design hadn't gone away. It was just the nature that we lost track of. And we lost our identity as sons of God. We were deceived by the devil. Oh my goodness. A battle began. We saw Cain rise up in the nature of the devil and slay his brother Abel. A battle began. A battle between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. And it looked at times like the seed of the serpent was getting the upper hand. But don't be fooled by what you see. Man, it didn't stop, but in Genesis 6, you know, we've talked about all of the rebellions. The first one was Adam's rebellion with with, uh, the serpent. Genesis 6, we see the rebellion where the enemy began to try and corrupt the bloodlines of man. Why? Because he heard what God said in the garden. God was saying it to him. He said, I'm going to put enmity between your seed and her seed. And you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And see, he began to try and corrupt the bloodlines. We've talked about Genesis 6 many times, how that the enemy came in and began to to, uh, create hybrid beings through angels and women, giants and all kinds of aberrations of God's creation. And why was he doing that? What was the purpose of it? To try and corrupt the bloodlines so that this promised seed... (laughs) 
could not come. This is master class, but today I'm talking about the promised seed. The promised seed. And so they were trying to stop. There's the devil. He's scrambling. He's attempting to try in any way that he can to stop this seed because he heard God said, he's going to crush your head, boy. (laughs) And he tried. And boy, he was making progress in the earth. In fact, corrupted it so much that God said, I'll just flood the earth. He found a a man who found the grace of God. He, uh, He purged the earth of this corruption that the enemy had brought about trying to stop the seed, he wasn't going to stop the seed. He's trying his best. Let me tell you, he's still not going to stop. But he tried to corrupt the bloodline so much so that there wouldn't be a pure blood human being left on the earth so that the seed of the woman could come and accomplish the prophecy which God had declared from the beginning. Then we see in Genesis 10 after the flood... We see how the enemy tried to construct or constructed a world system that would oppose the godly line and the people of God. It was a, it was a, it was a system in rebellion to God. We've talked about Babel before and how it wasn't just a tower, but it was a kingdom. It was a kingdom and it was a system that the enemy constructed in the earth that would oppose people and bring deception into their life. So they would be distracted by the things of the world and that they would be in, become in rebellion to God, side with them, and it would... What was his, his attempt? Trying to stop. He was trying to get people away from God to where the promised seed couldn't come. A battle began. A battle began. And God dispersed that. But the men, you know how, how the enemy is. He kept working. He kept trying to bring about his plan. He kept trying to uh, cause any kind of roadblock that would get in the way of God's plan. But listen, he's unsuccessful. He's unsuccessful then, and he'll be unsuccessful now. So in Genesis chapter 12, let's go there. I think you guys got that scripture. Genesis chapter 12. We know because of what we taught here before, and I'm just kind of skipping over some things, God disinherited the nations at Babel. He said, okay, you don't, want, you don't want to serve me. You don't want to be a part of my kingdom. Well, I'm just going to let you go on about your own way. You can have what you want. You can have what you want, but I'm going to fulfill my plan that I had from before the foundation of the world. So in Genesis chapter 12, he picks a man. Here's the thing. God said, I'll just take one of your, uh, I'll just take one of yours. Because he took Abram out of idol worship. Him and his fathers were idol makers. They worshiped the moon. They worshiped the false gods of Babel. God said, here's what I'll do. I'll just pick one of yours. I'll just bring him on over here with me. And I'll establish a line that will bring about the seed. And you've tried, but you're not going to stop my plan. Why? Because I'm faithful. I'm faithful from generation to generation to generation. Chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord makes a promise to Abraham. See, most of us relate to God based on our promises to God, not His promises to us. That's religion. How many of you trying to get God to do something for you by promising Him all that you're going to do? 
That's futile. And it's backwards in the way that God created things. We, he doesn't respond to us. He's God. We respond to Him. We find out what He's promised in His Word. And faith happens to us so we can respond in a positive way to what God has declared. How? By believing it. By taking God at His Word. By declaring Him faithful. He said to Abram, get out of your country. Why? Because it was filled with idol worshipers. He's going to do something new in Abram's life. Just like he did in your life. Just like he did in my life. I wasn't serving God. I was in rebellion to God. I was following my ways. I was worshiping my ways. I was worshiping the gods of this world. I was taking what they were offering to try and comfort myself and to try and build myself up. And God said, I'm calling you out of that darkness. Why? Because I created you for something different than that. And once I found out how evil and how destructive these gods were, I forsook those and cried out to my deliverer. Oh my goodness. I found out in the gospel that God is faithful. In spite of me, not because of me. He's faithful in spite of you, not because of you. We've got to lay down our trying to manipulate God with presenting to Him our own righteousness. We've got to humble ourselves, admit who we, who we have truly been, and embrace who He's created us to be. He said, get out of your country and from your family. I'll tell you what, man, this is all too familiar. <laughs> I had to get away. I had to flee that country. I left Manford. I left Manford in disgrace. <laughs> I said, I'm never coming back there again. Never say never. <laughs> he said, get out of your country from your family. Why? Because sometimes that's the worst influences. People you've been closely associated with. And the Lord told me, he said, it's easier to avoid temptation than it is to resist temptation. And it finally dawned on my light and fast mind that, hey, maybe I ought to get away from this stuff. And uh, <laughs> from your father's house to a land that I'll show you. Go ahead and go to the next verse. And I'll make a, I will make you a great nation. Why would, why would it be a great nation? Because it would be a, a nation that had the blessing of God on it. I'll bless you and make your name great. God want, Listen, God wants to exalt your life. Why? For His glory. Amen. Man, we're trying to manipulate and beg God to do something in our life. He already has a plan right. to exalt your life. Not to puff you up, but to glorify Himself. Here's the thing. You know, uh, it's amazing when you really understand that God can do anything with any of us. <laughs> You know, it's people that go, here, God, just, just give me an open door and I'll just take care of the rest. No, it's the person that says, Lord, if you can do anything with this mess, here it is. Yeah. You know, that was my salvation prayer. I remember in the Creek County Jail, man, I had gotten to the place in my life where I didn't have confidence in myself to do anything right. In fact, I used to say, man, it seems like every decision I make is wrong. I remember, man, I, I cried out to the Lord. And I said, Father, I realize that uh, 
The reason my life is in the shape it's in is because I have rejected you. And I don't know if you can do anything with this mess, but if you can, here you go. You know, that's a good place to start. That's a great place to start. That's just a lump of clay that the master can begin to mold. He said, I'll make your name great and you shall be a blessing. So not only does God want to bless you, he wants to make you a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. Man, I tell you what, God, if God is for us, who could be against us? And in you, all the families of the earth should be blessed. That last line is speaking of the fact that the seed, the promised seed would come. And he would undo everything that Adam and the serpent had done together in the garden. And through him, all of the families of the earth would be blessed. Go ahead and go to that next scripture. In Genesis 22, here's the thing I wanted to see about this. is God just keeps on reminding them what he's going to do keeps on all through the old testament he just keeps saying it's coming he's coming not it's coming he's coming he's coming he's coming see god god gave abram the promise of a son but isaac wasn't the promised seed isaac was just a means to an end oh man And he said, by myself I have sworn. Listen to that. God said this. By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you've done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. This is when Abram had offered Isaac. Blessing I will bless you. Multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Man, that reminds me of Jesus. What did he say? Upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Here he reiterates the promise. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you've obeyed my voice. Abram simply responded by believing what God had declared. And in fact, in that first verse, it said he swore. You know, when he first talked to Abram, he just promised. Then again, the book of Hebrews makes this point. God didn't only promise, but then he swore by himself that he was going to make it happen. Do you know what the book of Hebrews says? He didn't do that for his sake. Oh man, you, you missed that. God didn't swear so he could hold himself accountable. He swore for Abram's sake. He swore for Abram's sake so he could make it even more sure to Abram, hey, that God's going to do this. Not only did he promise, but he swore by himself. He swore on his own integrity. I'm going to make this happen. Oh, man. You know, this is an unconditional covenant. Yes. An unconditional covenant. In fact, when we look in Genesis 15, God shows up and he shows Abram the making of a covenant. There were two parties involved, but he put Abram to sleep. You know why? Because if man is involved, we were going to mess it up. That's why we're supposed to live our life from a place of rest. Because we get in our way. We're our own worst enemy. We get in the way of what God's wanting to do. 
But we don't stop his faithfulness. He put Abram to sleep and Abram sees these two, a burning furnace and a lamp, walking through the pieces of the sacrifice, making a covenant. That was the father and the promised seed that was to come, making a covenant. One standing on the side of God, one standing on the side of man. Making a covenant, an everlasting covenant, to perform what God had prophesied in Genesis 3.15, that the promised seed would come and crush the head of the serpent. Crush the head of the enemy. So go to the next verse in Isaiah. I just picked this one out because I wanted to talk about how important it was that in the garden when God said that, He said the seed of the woman, not the man. Women don't have seed. He was talking about Isaiah. Here, here he's, what he's doing is he's unfolding more understanding and revelation of how this is going to come about. God says through the prophet Isaiah, 800 years before Jesus showed up on the scene, therefore the Lord himself, there it is again. Have you noticed every time it's I myself, I swear by myself, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. See, in Genesis 3.15, we had God declaring that there would be a battle, but the second thing he declared, there would be a birth. Oh, but it wouldn't be a normal birth. It would be the birth of a seed that came from a virgin. Why is that important? Because... Through Adam, sin came into the world and death through sin. The nature of the devil passed to Adam and Adam passed it on to every one of his seed that came after him. So God had to interrupt, supernaturally interrupt that process to bring about the deliverer, to bring about the promised seed. And so through a virgin, he brought about a man who was human through his mother but divine through His Father. All of this in the providence and the faithfulness of God. A plan formulated before the foundation of the world. I tell you what, pastors taught us that the devil don't play checkers, he plays chess. The awesome thing is God already knows the next move he's going to make before he ever moves. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Seed of a woman. Why did that matter? Because the only way that man could be redeemed was by man. But it had to be a perfect man. It had to be a man who was without sin. And even further than that, without a sin nature. Because he had to be the perfect, pure, spotless, unblemished sacrifice in order for that to be offered to a holy God and bring about redemptive value. See, here's the thing. For a sinner to die for their sins is just justice. That's what we deserve. For me to die for my sins is just justice. I'm just getting what I deserve. There's no redemptive value in that. But God provided Himself a sacrifice. In fact, the Word, the eternal Word, who was God Himself, took on flesh and dwelt among us. He came as a man humiliated himself the divine son of God the creator 
took on flesh. He humiliated himself. In fact, the Bible reveals that he humbled himself uh, and, and lowered himself even below the angels whom he had created. For the sole purpose of being a sacrifice. For offering himself as a substitute for our sin. The perfect substitutionary sacrifice. Who could offer his life unto God. And that the value of his life was able to redeem every life of every man. From the beginning of time to the end of time. Man, I, I was studying about the virgin birth one time and I was reading some medical journals because I was like, now wait a minute, I thought babies were fed through their mother's blood, you know, the umbilical cord and everything. I got to reading these medical journals. It's fascinating. The way God constructed a woman's body was perfectly designed for this. In fact, maternal blood and fetal blood never commingle. The blood comes from the Father. And in this process, they never commingle. In fact, the nutrients from the mother's blood pass chemically through a membrane into the other blood and become metabolized for the baby, but they never commingle. Oh my goodness. God thought of everything, didn't He? Man, that is so fascinating. God in His faithfulness. He provided himself a perfect sacrifice. Because what was required to crush the head of the serpent was that a man come and rend back the authority from the serpent, from Satan, that Adam had willingly handed over to him. Oh, God told, God said in the beginning, let us make man in our image and likeness and let them have dominion. Let them rule. On earth over all the works of our hands. So God just couldn't come back and take authority back from Satan. Why he had to become a man and take it back legally. God had limited what he could do by his own word. You think he didn't already know that? Hmm. He was, the devil was playing right into his hands. So go to the next scripture. I believe it's Isaiah 53. Real familiar passage of scripture. But I just wanted to show you the redemption that came through the promised seed. It says he was wounded, talking about Jesus' crucifixion. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised. There's the bruising. There's the bruising in Genesis 3.15. Bruised the heel. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace. I always like to say, the chastisement for my peace with God was upon him. Because that's what he was doing. He was being chastised so that we could have peace with God again. He was bringing about reconciliation between God and man. It wasn't man making reconciliation with God. Don't be fooled. That's religion. Religion tries to present something to God in order to reconcile himself to God. Oh no, God reconciled himself. God reconciled us to himself in the person of Jesus Christ. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes 
we are healed. Next verse. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus on the cross, he, he became sin. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The great exchange. Jesus, the innocent, the just, took on sin, took on our guilt, took on our shame, took on our punishment so that we could freely be given his righteousness. Go ahead and do those next verses, guys. These are some of my favorite verses. This, this passage is amazing, but this is some of my favorite verses in this. It says, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. This is the extent that the Father was willing to go in order to redeem mankind. When you make his soul an offering for sin. Look at how detailed this is. Look how detailed this is. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. There it is. See, the seed of the woman is actually the seed of God. Remember when the angel came to Mary? She said, how's this going to happen? He said, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and you'll conceive in your womb. And that thing you conceive will be a holy child, the very son of God. Make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. It was was the Lord's good pleasure. Oh, man. I was talking about this on a Wednesday night when Jesus came and the leper fell before him wanting to be healed. Jesus, he said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus said, I am. You know what he was saying? It's my pleasure. It's my greatest pleasure to see you healed and made whole and become who I created you to be all along. My greatest pleasure. He shall see the labor of his soul. So the Father will see the labor of Jesus' soul in his suffering. And be satisfied. Oh my goodness, I could just... The Father will look upon... The suffering of Jesus and in his own soul be satisfied. You know what that means? Jesus' offering was so perfect that the, father's, uh, the Father was satisfied. He was eternally satisfied with the suffering and the offering of of Jesus because it was perfect. Mm. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Mm. See, that's what he did. Is he, through his death, burial, and resurrection, he made it possible for ungodly men to be justified in God's sight. Not by their actions, 
Not by their performance, not by their perfect performance, but by the perfect performance of the Son of God in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And it was so perfect that He wasn't only raised, but He ascended to heaven and was seated at the right hand of God as a representation of mankind forever. Oh. Mm. Go ahead and give me the next verse, guys. I'm not really sure where we're at. Oh, okay. Hallelujah. Jesus was the seed who came. And in Isaiah 53, as we just read, he accomplished the bruising of the head of the serpent. At the same time, oh, I got to get up here. At the same time that he was bruising the heel of Jesus, he was bruising the head of the serpent. It was one act. It wasn't he's going to bruise and then he's going to... No, it was one act. In fact, it was the bruising of the head that bruised his heel. Oh, my goodness. In the cross, what, what looked like defeat was actually victory. Oh, Hallelujah. I tell you what, you ought to get up and just give a good stomp right now. You ought to just get up and give a good stomp. Just like, hallelujah. You ought to just get up and give a, and give a good stomp to the devil. Remind him. Remind him. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Glory. Well, we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Hallelujah. When he stomped the head of the devil, he was doing that as you. Not just for you, he was doing it as you. Man, religion has told us that it's presumptuous. Oh, come on now. Cast off that wrong thinking. Ridiculous. He didn't come for himself. He was already the exalted word of God from eternity past to eternity future. He came for us. He didn't just come for all of us. He came for each of us. That's why every one of you should have been stomping on the devil's head. Listen to this. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. And he does not say into seeds. It wasn't Abraham's natural descendants. Oh man. We got to come. As of many but as of one. And to your seed who is Christ. See the promised seed wasn't Isaac. It wasn't Jacob. It wasn't Judah, it wasn't David, it wasn't Solomon, it was Jesus Christ who was the seed to whom the promises had been made. Go to the next verse. Uh, Go to the next one. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and an heir according to the promise. Do you see what he's saying? God treats us the same as Jesus. Why? Because if you're Christ's, 
I said, if you're Christ, are you Christ? If you're Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. In Him, you are the promised seed. You are the promised seed of God to whom the promises, they were made to Him, but we're the benefactors. Heirs according to the promise. Now, I'm not going to go to the Scriptures because I know I'm running out of time. But what was the promise? Primarily, I mean, we know there's all kinds of promises. But what is the promise that qualifies us for every promise? That we were justified in the sight of God and made the righteousness of God in Him. And He has qualified you to be a partaker. In fact, pull those next verses up. The verse before this says, giving thanks to the Father who qualified us. So many Christians are trying to qualify themselves for something they've already been qualified for. You know what that tells me? We're in unbelief. We're either deceived or we're in unbelief because He has already qualified us for every spiritual blessing. Go And listen to this. He has delivered us. The word power is actually the word authority. He has delivered us from the authority of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Adam committed a coup against God and sided with the devil and allowed the devil's kingdom to be built on the earth. But Jesus came. He provided redemption. He provided forgiveness. He provided justification of life and righteousness to us so that we could be transferred out of from under His authority and into the authority of the King, of the Son of His love. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Mm. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. We have, not we're going to have, we have. Redemption, to redeem something means you paid a price to buy it back. And the blood of Jesus was the price. It was the required price. But it was the provided price to free us from our slavery to sin and to Satan and give us the liberty of living in the kingdom of God right now. Give me another verse. I don't know what I got on there. Okay, so this is in the Passion Translation. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record. Man, I can just stop right there. Every legal violation we had on our record, he canceled it out. And the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul. You know, in the Old Testament, their sins were covered. But in the New, our sins are removed. Our sins are removed. As far from us as the East is from the West, so far has He removed our sins from us. 
fact, that's why he hung on the tree like this. He stretched his hand out from eternity past to eternity future. And he covered every sin of every man for all time. And he has perfected forever those who come to God through him. He deleted it all. And they cannot be retrieved. (laughs) The devil likes to remind you, but he can't retrieve those. And you remind yourself, stop it. You come to God talking about things he's already put away. Mm Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, Everything we once were in Adam. Here's the deal. Everything we once were in Adam was placed onto his cross. And nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. What the first Adam did to us, the last Adam has redeemed from us. You know, a lot of believers, they act like what Adam did carries more weight than what Jesus did. They act like what the first Adam did carries more authority and power than what the last Adam did. I'm telling you, in the book of Romans, it says you can't even compare the two. (laughs) They can't even be compared because what the last Adam did nullified what the first Adam did. What the last Adam did for us nullified what the first Adam did to us. Oh my goodness. We just got to catch up, guys. We got to wake up. The devil's trying to blind our eyes to the reality of what Jesus has done. Because, you know, Brother Hagin, he used to say, You can have something, not know it, it won't do you any good. You can have something. We have something. (laughs) And not know it, and it won't do you any good. You can have something, not know how to use it. And it's just the same as if you didn't have it. Look at this. Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness. If we could just see. Stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Let me see that passion translation here. Check this out. I'm going to read you what Dr. Simmons' footnotes say on this. Glory, glory. Listen to this. And this is my third point. So in the Old Testament, God prophesied the victory through the seed In the Gospels, Jesus secured the victory as the seed. But now, we enforce. Uh Uh-oh. Listen to what Dr. Simmons says in the Passion Translation. He says, this is notes on the verses I just read. All the enemy's weapons have been stripped away from him. You know, all he has is deception. He can only fool you into identifying as something that you're not or fool you into not understanding what belongs to you, fool you into not understanding how to use it. 
that he actually cannot do anything. I said he cannot do anything. That's why Peter said this. He said, your adversary the devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He just can't go around devouring people. People who know what belongs to them and people who know how to use what belongs to them, he cannot touch you. He cannot devour you. That's why this word is so precious. Because it's the only way we can know what belongs to us. And it's the only way we can know how to operate in and use what belongs to us. Here's the crazy thing. You're getting your butt kicked by a defeated foe. That's what's really bad. (laughs) I didn't finish reading this, did I? All the enemy's weapons have been stripped away from him. And now the church has authority. Now the church has authority in Christ to enforce this triumph upon the dethroned rulers of this world. And an alternate translation of this is that believers enforce this triumph to all the thrones and authorities, putting them all to public shame. By the manifestation of his himself in them. We are the body of Christ. If we are Christ, we are the seed. Heirs according to the promise. What was the promise? That we might receive the spirit through faith. And it's the spirit of God. On the inside of us that brings the presence and the power of God to bear in any situation that we're faced with. Listen, we don't have it in ourselves, but we have it in ourselves. Listen, I'm going to close with this. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus was talking. And he said this. He said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Listen, he didn't say, I give you the keys to. He's the door. You come into the kingdom through him and him alone. But he said, I'm going to give you the keys of. That means you're going to have the ability to open and close anything. He said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. And here's the keys. Whatever you bind on earth. Will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose. On earth. Will be loosed. You know what that means? It says whatever you don't allow. And whatever you do allow. I love the uh, amplified version. It says this. I believe this is accurate. It says. Whatever you bind on earth. Has already been. Bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is whatever has been loosed in heaven. What that tells me is that whatever is illegal in heaven. We have the authority to declare it illegal here on the earth. And whatever is legal in heaven. We have the ability. We have the authority to declare it legal 
on the earth. What's illegal in heaven? Sickness, disease, sin, disorders, addictions. What's legal in heaven? Health, life, peace, love, joy. Come on, somebody. We have the authority in the name of Jesus to loose. We don't only have the authority, we have the responsibility to loose heaven on earth. We have the responsibility to bind up the works of the devil, not only in our life, but in the lives of other people. In the name of Jesus. Come on, stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Take authority in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm looking at Christ right now. I'm looking at the body of Christ right now. Hallelujah. Glory in the name of Jesus. I tell you right now. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Your word is truth. Hallelujah. The enemy is defeated. Jesus is exalted. And the end of all this is that the seed is going to cast the serpent in the lake of fire that burns forever. But until then, we're the enforcers. Man, that sounds like a name of a bunch of superheroes. We are the, <laughs> we are the enforcers. We're the enforcers. That means whatever we allow, I'll tell you what, it's time the church... We begin to rise up in our identity. That we begin to rise up in the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. And we don't take it anymore. Although we don't take it anymore. See, it's one thing for Jesus to put his foot on the devil, but it's another thing. And sometimes... Sometimes you might need a brother to come along. Come on. Sometimes you might need a brother to come along. <laughs> I knew Daniel would get up there with me. <laughs> that's, that's why this part of the service, listen, if you're dealing with anything, I'm telling you what, demonic, demonic stuff, liberty is here. Freedom is here. You don't need to leave bound like you've been bound. You don't need to leave this place that way. Grab a brother here in the name of Jesus and get him to come along beside and put your foot on the head of the enemy and enforce the victory that Jesus has provided for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Joel, you got a tongue. Bring it forth. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Mm, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Mm, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Ha- Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. It's our privilege and honor to hear from you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to your name. Thank you for speaking to us this morning, Lord. May we be doers of your word. May we not just take this word, say that was nice, that was good. Let it be incarnational to us. Let it take root in our hearts. Cause boldness to come upon us because of this word. That we would step out and be who we are. Be who we are. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I just hear like somebody, like I can hear in somebody's heart. They're saying, man, is that really for me, Lord? 
I hear that. I hear somebody saying in the heart, is that really for me? I want to believe that it is. Is that really for me? And I hear the Lord saying, stop looking at you. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look at the perfect person and the perfect work that he's done on your behalf. It was a complete work. And all you need to do is to believe and step into. For I saw this before the foundation of the world. This isn't something that's just come about. But this was my perfect plan from before the foundation of the world. And yes, son, you were included. You were included. I saw you. I saw you. That's why you're here. Because I saw you, I created you, and I have called you to do my will. Be full of courage. Be strong and of good courage. You shall see the salvation of your God. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Even you. Even you. Hallelujah. All right. Now it's kind of weird. <laughs> this is where this is where I struggle. But what what I saw in the second song, there was a gate behind the cross, and it swung open. And the Lord said, there is a gate of opposition. And then as soon as I heard that, a fire just, it was, it was even with the cross and even with the rocks, arose up. And then a lion came through, through the fire, but the eyes were of fire. And the Lord straight up said, he said, I am the all-consuming fire that will illuminate the opposition that has been placed in front of you. He said, but I have came to, to strip every single weapon that will come against you. He says, for I am the one who gives the authority. I'm the one who gives the authority rightfully back to the people that I created in my image. Glory. I always hate, I'll be honest with you, I hate sharing that stuff because it says, well, he just listened to the whole message. But what I told Pastor Karen earlier when she got off the stage is like, now I see some of the giftings. Because I always say, why does the Lord show me this stuff? Because it doesn't do me no good. But sometimes I'm glad you took me out of my comfort zone because I believe the Lord wants to use me. He's using me because I'm a wreck. <laughs> Daniel's a wreck. If you know me, you know God can only do what God has done through me. And that is through just, that is through Jesus. But anyhow, I can ramble on forever, but here you go, Pastor Ken. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, well, it requires faith. It requires faith. It's impossible to please him without faith. But when we dare to believe and we say, we take his word as truth, we, we, the sons of God, they are led by the spirit of God. 
we step out in faith, then look what happens. Look what happens when all of us took him at his word and believe we step from death to life because we took him at his word. Look what can happen. Look what happens when we just step out and, and believe. Just step out like Peter stepped out of the boat onto the water. Then we can do. We can do the supernatural. We can be like we're supposed to be. The called out ones. The glorious church. And I want, I want to remind you that God, his word says he is love. God is love. That fire that he's talking about, it is love. He is love. And when I say I am fire, I am saying I am the love of God. And the only reason why I can say that is because I received it. I received it. I found the strength to receive his great love. To receive his word as truth into my heart. Here I go. I'm preaching again. The Lord is good and he's alive in me. And we just want to yield to that life. Amen. Amen. Well, we need to have, we need to have our, uh, counselors come forward because I believe there's some, uh, um, counseling and, and deliverance and, and prayer and, and, and some spiritual transaction that needs to take place, right? Maybe you're saying, I need some of that. I need some of that fire. I need some of that fire. We are ready. We are ready to serve the life of God to you today. Amen. Pastor Kevin, do you, do you want to take this brother? Okay. All right. We'll just keep on a going. We are here to serve you. Come and receive from God what you need today. We love you. And do we need to make any announcements as we minister you? You are dismissed.